Welcome everyone to Masturbators, the podcast where we talk about sex, love, masturbation, relationships, self-love, body image, feminism, and everything else that comes up. This intro is getting so much better by the week. <laughs> I'm here with uh, Chrissy Kapatis, who joined me on Skype today. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And she's got a cat. I do. My Callie, she's sitting next to me because I'm not feeling too well. So she's with me on the bed. Very adorable. I feel like we should put a, pay, a, a pic of her up when we upload the podcast so that people know. Oh my God, she's such a diva. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> She'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, you're an actress in training. Did I answer that correctly? Um, yep. Very cool. Um, and... Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself before you go into we go into what we want to talk about today? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I'm 24. Um, I'm currently training at drama school. Um, I'm in my last year. Um, I'm from Greece originally, but I was born and raised here. Um, yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, and obviously I'm I'm also passionate about mental health and self love and body image, like. Um, those are my big things as well as acting um, and spoken word so yeah that is me amazing um, and yeah you said so uh, today is going to be basically um, about your journey and I guess I'll pitch in whenever um, uh, from I suppose childhood and uh, experiences that have uh, made you or have created you in the way you are um, and what that what the consequences were later in life and how you've dealt with them then and how you're dealing with them now and how that's changed that I was that make did that make sense <laughs> yeah, no, perfect. awesome okay perfect um uh, would you like to start uh from the beginning um and uh <laughs> um, I just imagine the sound of music <laughs> Oh, my God, I love that film. Um, and, yeah, and I guess uh, I can say, yeah, it's going to be about body image, um, mental health, uh, eating disorders, yeah, um, and other fun stuff. <laughs> all, that, all that joy, joyful stuff. All, so, the, all that so, jolly stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how, how we got, or how we're getting through it, or you got through it. And and uh, hopefully giving other people um, hope and information about how uh, they might be able to seek help. Yeah, which I, I, important. I hope so. That's my that's my my biggest wish um, in general is to is to give that hope to someone. Um, yeah. So from the beginning, um, well, I'll I'll go through my childhood part quite quickly. I'm not going to go into detail about stuff, but. Sure. Um, I came from a dysfunctional background. I was I experienced abuse and bullying throughout my childhood, and I think that la I mean I th that lasted for most of my upbringing. So I would say things only quietened down when I was about twenty. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm twenty four now, so that was oh my god, only four years ago. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> um, by the way, is there anything rubbing against your microphone? Because it does make weird wavy sounds sometimes. Okay, never mind. We'll we'll live with the weird wavy sounds for today. I'll try not. To, I'll try not to touch my laptop. <laughs> um. So yeah, and 
God, how do I sum it all up? Well, so, uh, yeah, okay. So a few things. So I, so growing up dealing, to deal with the, I don't know really what came first, but I was fat when I was growing up. I don't know if me being fat was a result of, I think it was, it was, it was probably like, yeah, I think it was a result of what was going on around me. Mm. And I guess I was using food to, to comfort myself but mm -hmm. I think also I was very numb so I wasn't aware I, I, I don't think I remember like when I was younger I used to have massages but I couldn't feel I literally couldn't feel them pushing into my muscles because I was so numb oh, wow. and, and disconnected from my body and um, I I think yeah the, the food very much became um a coping mechanism for me and as a result a lot of the abuse uh, the abuse was directed towards my weight mm. um i experienced emotional and violent abuse and uh, it was yeah a lot of it was directed towards my weight towards me as a person um like just all really aspects of myself and when i was in primary school um that's when the bullying started happening and i very much i guess I felt as a kid that I was being bullied at home and I was being bullied at school and what reason could that be? Oh, it must be me. Yeah. Because I was hearing from multiple sources that I was, you know, I was fat, therefore I was disgusting. You know, yeah. I was, I was um, isolated and I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't given love or, and, and welcoming and support. I was, you know, always criticized or pushed out. And, and um, yeah, I, I grew up obviously like believing that I was, as a result, that I was worthless and that I mm. was inherently unlovable. And obviously I wasn't aware of this at the time, but, you know, because a child doesn't have the emotional capacity to, well, emotional, their brain doesn't work in a way that enables them to see the big picture, sure. you know. Like, whereas now with obviously a lot of therapy, like I'm able to go as an adult, ah, you know, a person's actions are to do with them, not to do with, you know, the, the victim. Yeah. You know, at the time, you know, a child just can't do that. Yeah. Um, so in order to, like in my head at the time, in order to un make sense of what was happening to me and why I, I wasn't, you know, why I was always excluded or criticized, I was like, oh, okay, it's because I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Um and I grew up to carry this belief with me, obviously throughout my upbringing and all unaware, like I was unaware of all of this. And throughout my life, I attracted, um, you know, relationships, friendships that were very unhealthy, um, relationships that were very unhealthy. Like my, it affected all areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't, I mean, at the time, again, I knew nothing, but unbeknownst to me, it affected my not only my relationship with my body, it was it all came from my core relationship with myself. So I was like, right, I'm worthless, and that manifested in, you know, codependency and uh, a skewed relationship with sex and mm. all. I mean, ah, oh, so many issues. And um, and then when I was about when did I so when did I go to uni? I would have been eighteen or nineteen. Mm. Um, yeah, eighteen. I went to uni, and that. I think that is what was the final straw because I never wanted to go to uni. Like I discovered I was passionate about acting when I was 
11. Yeah. And I remember we had a drama class and I'd never done it before. And um, I did a monologue and I just felt on fire. And mm. that was my passion and I knew it. And I always wanted to be an actor, but again, like, I received like all of this backlash from those around me. Oh, you'll never make any money as an actor. Um, everyone who's an artist like suffers, like, you know, <laughs> and it was basically, you know, like beaten out of me. Yeah. You know, metaphorically speaking, like, yeah. And, and it was, it was squashed. So I was like, well, okay. So, and at that point when I was 18, I think I felt so powerless and so helpless. And mm-hmm. I felt like, I felt very disempowered and like I had no autonomy over my own life. And so I very much let other people control my life for me. Yeah. um, Because I didn't know any other, like I I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand up for myself because it would always be met with uh, some kind of backlash. And so I went to uni, um, I fell into a deep depression. I wasn't getting out of bed for weeks. Um, and then I think I'm trying to remember the timeline correctly, but I think so. I did one year, dropped out, ch- uh, dropped out, changed courses. And then in between my first year and my second year, so I was obviously failing. Mm. Um, and I was having all this pressure from like people around me, like, you, you know, you can't be blah, 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 blah. Um, so that summer, I decided, uh, I got to uh, tutors. My family got me uh, tutors to help me. Um, get through my exams Mm -hmm. and that's how I decided right I am going to fix the problem that has been the reason of all my pain this problem has been the reason for why no boys noticed me Mm -hmm. I uh, I've always been bullied why I suffered abuse why I've been criticized why I'm hideous quote unquote yeah 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 I am going to stop being fat I'm finally going to deal with the problem Oh Christ! Honestly, I wish I could go back and give myself a hug because I—I I literally thought being fat was the reason. <laughs> yeah, so because unhappy. it's so easy to pick something that is outside of yourself, right? Absolutely. Like I, you know, and I didn't know any better because obviously, if you're told constantly, you know, this is the issue, this is the issue, you think, ah, okay, that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. So that summer, I did basically a, I guess, a crash diet, exercise, ridiculous thing. And then I also got a, um, uh, uh, what you call them, personal trainer. Oh, wow. And that summer I lost about half my body weight in a few months. And of course, I, I thought, this is brilliant. I'm thin now. My life is yeah. awesome. And of course, all the, all the people around me who also didn't, who also hated their bodies were like, oh my God, you look amazing. Yeah. Another problem with society that I will talk about later. Um, but, you know, and without, and uh, so I thought things were going great. Yeah. Little did I know. <laughs> and then, and I remember, to be honest, the only, t- the, 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 the thing which I think is amazing is that I think despite being probably at the most unwell point of my life I ever have been mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think that the real me was still there because there were moments when um I remember I was talking about it with um with my mom and she was like you know one day you're, you're gonna need to eat normally yeah because she was aware how- that you were over dieting or I, I don't I mean I don't know really I, I think I think she could sense something was wrong but didn't know what okay and um I had I remember having a flicker of fear 
at the idea of eating. And um, and and then I remember this voice in my head saying that you're scared of food. And then I quickly put it away, and I was like, no, 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 I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Because so, in that moment, it sort of served the purpose. Yeah. That you it were was, afraid of food kind of made it easier, I suppose, to lose weight, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was so deep in my despair that my brain, I guess, developed this illness to help me survive the pain of the the years of trauma that I was carrying. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, and I think, yeah, because, well, I'll go into that in a bit. But so I went back to uni, you know, back in my quote unquote new body. And then that's when the binging started. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, you know, when you restrict, you're, you'll go into binging yeah. because your brain goes into, ah, I need to survive mode. Um, and I started falling apart. Like, I felt like my life was falling to pieces. I didn't know what was going on. I, I mean, I, I just didn't want to be alive at that point. Um, mm -hmm. I was, that was the unhappiest I've ever been. And I was terrified. I didn't know what was going on. And then my, my like, obviously, like, I, you know, I was talking to my mom and she found, she said, right, I found an, a treatment center online. Mm -hmm. um, it's called the Recover Clinic. She was like, um, so I booked you, uh, um, what do you call it? Like a, a, um, a ah, session? Like, yeah, yeah, like a, like a, what, what Introductory? Was yeah, yeah, kind of like Appointment? They, yeah, basically an appointment. <laughs> um, and, oh, the word's going to come to me later. Um, so I, assessment. That's oh, it. okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, so I, I met with this woman called Emmy, um, Emmy Brunner, who is, incredible and I will talk more about her later and so I had this meeting with her and oh my god I, I remember some of it so clearly I don't remember all of it I remember what I was wearing and I sat with her and she said do you remember a time in your life when you were ever happy mm -hmm. and I said yeah absolutely last summer when I lost all that weight I was very happy and she said Chrissy you weren't happy that was your eating disorder making you think you were happy And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And and she was like, you're bulimic. And I was like, what? Like, no, I'm not. I'm not bulimic. What are you talking about? Had you and binged and purged at that at that point? I'd been so. Uh, what? Here's the thing. I didn't think I was bulimic because I wasn't purging by, through vomiting. I was pur trigger warning. I was purging through laxatives and exercise. Oh, I see. So it didn't feel like the yeah, yeah I, classic eat. The, yeah. The, you know, the bulimia that we're told is the only... I didn't realize there were other forms of it yeah. or other forms of purging. Um, And she told me that and I was like, what the fuck? So I went home and I was like, oh, that's, that isn't... No, that's not me. Mm. But I remember during the the assessment, she said something and it just... I felt like she hit the nail on the head. She said to me, I think you're traumatized. Mm -hmm. And I, I I have never felt a word describe it so perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I, and so I went back something, I think something inside me was like, go back. So I went back and um, it became very clear to me within the first few days of my treatment at recover that I was very ill mm -hmm. and that, I needed to get this illness out of me. Like That's incredible, though, to be that quick. Because I think some people come to recovery centers and they're like, I don't have a problem. You're, yeah. you're being weird and I want to go home. 
Um, But yeah, sorry. No worries. I I think it was partly to do with the fact that I knew my whole life that I wasn't well. Like Mm -hmm. I knew that I was deeply unhappy. I didn't have a word for it. But every time I tried to say I'm I'm not happy, something is wrong, I would either be told you're just lazy, you're imagining it, there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with you. And so, I, th- I know the the power that words can have. I went to a, um, le- not a lecture, but like an interview with Russell Brand recently where he um, talked about his new book. And he said something very similar. He said, you know, past trauma is what makes us act out in addictions. And, mm-hmm. and I sat there and like, I knew that, but I didn't know that. Yeah. Because until he said it, I always thought I was the, I was broken not because I was traumatized and therefore seeking pacifiers, but because I was too stupid to not have an eating disorder, <laughs> like you know, they, like these things of, um, of because I'm very pragmatic and I don't like emotions all that much because I don't understand them very well and I'm learning that, and then suddenly going it's okay that you are where you are because your past has put you there and the only thing you need to do is understand that and that's and like that was in itself just a big step of healing and I remember talking about it in therapy the week after and I was crying because I was never I never understood myself I'd never understood myself that well or that part of my personality that well yeah I mean I know what you, I know exactly what you mean. It, it was the first time in my life I was ever validated, but for my pain, mm-hmm. like because I had now I had I was I went from all these years of agony and loneliness to actually having someone actually an entire um, and by the way the recover clinic is all women. Mm-hmm. It's run by women. They're women therapists and the clients are women only. And I had this this family basically telling me we see you it's not your fault mm-hmm. like like anyone would be ill like you know if they'd gone through mm-hmm. all of this shit and and not only and that's like the first lesson I learned well the first two lessons I learned in recovery were compassion self-compassion yeah. and um loving my inner child and yeah I think that's another very important thing to go mm. because I think that's another thing if you experience trauma in childhood is to understand that that child is still there because no one's ever taken care of it and it's your job to take you know to understand that child and kind of work through the trauma that that child is still experiencing in your adult mind I guess absolutely and also to be able to to say to that child like it wasn't your fault yeah you didn't didn't deserve it yeah Um, and because that's the thing like at the at the time like you know when I was growing up I think I just wanted someone to pick me up and say you know you're you're perfect you're beautiful as you are like you please don't change Mm -hmm. um and that's what I I oh I'm getting emotional um that's what I um that's what I always say to people when I meet them I say please don't change Mm. Um, unless it's to heal yourself but that's different like you know please don't think that you're you're not worth enough as you are because you just are and and so, um, yeah, so a clinic and Emmy and the whole team were basically, so my treatment, yeah, they were validating everything I was saying. Like, mm-hmm. no one was saying, that's bullshit or whatever. Um, 
so basically, so the Recover Clinic, how it works is you have, well, depending on your treatment plan, I was in Monday to Thursdays, and then when my symptoms got really bad, I was put in from Monday to Friday. Is that a, is that a private clinic or is that yeah. okay? Um, well, yeah. So you, yeah. So it's not like it's not like on the NHS or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, though I wish it was because it's amazing. And um, so. So was that full uh, days that you spent there, or was it? So basically, how it works is well, how I start. Well, usually how it works and how I started was I was there from ten. Uh, no, nine until seven, mm-hmm. um, pretty much every day, depending on what groups I had. So you, so for example, a typical day is like breakfast, um, morning group therapy. Then perhaps you have a one-to-one session with your one. You, everyone has a one-to-one therapist, and then you have like one or two more group therapy sessions, and then you finish your day. So, and in the morning you have um, meditation. You have breakfast, meditation. You also all have lunch together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not it's an amazing clinic because it's it it, it doesn't it's not all about food because that's another thing I learned uh, very quickly when I and I think it's got something to do with the fact that I got ill relatively soon before I started treatment I I I fell sick very quickly Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's maybe also why it was so easy for me to believe that it was a it was an illness and that it actually wasn't about food yeah, because your body, I guess in a sense, you were lucky that your body gave that signal very quickly. Because I think you can, I think that people can sort of successfully have eating disorders for a while and either the side effects aren't bad enough or they are so uh, traumatized or or involved in their eating disorder that that doesn't even matter. Yeah, like they don't see any other way or they think it's normal because that thinking has always, has been there for so long. Yeah. Um, and yeah I learned very early on I think in the first couple of weeks this illness isn't about food this is about trauma this is about how you feel about yourself yeah. and, and we need to figure out why and it was like oh my god well that makes so much sense <laughs> um, and you also have nutritional therapy and because um, obviously you know the, it isn't about the food but the food is one of the main symptoms and you have to deal with it mm-hmm. um, but what I learned oh my god it was what was fascinating to me was that an eating disorder doesn't just affect your relationship with food and exercise. It affects everything Mm -hmm. like your relationships, um, sex, um, literally work, like literally everything Mm -hmm. because at the core, at least at the core of my pain was this belief that I was unlovable, therefore worthless, therefore not good enough. And it was like, I was using all of these different ways in my life to apologize for my existence. Mm -hmm. Like, for, I'll give you an example, like, in my friendships, um, don't get me wrong, I, like, not all my friendships back then were unhealthy, but, and I'm, I'm very grateful to say that, um, I, a couple of my friendships from those days, I still have now, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I, and I think of those as a blessing, because those people stuck with me to the end, mm-hmm. um, but there were some friendships that, oh my god, they, they were built on, on toxicity, and, being each other's therapists and um, it was so unhealthy and in my friendships how I felt about myself was I'm unlovable therefore I need to always do what my friends want mm-hmm. I need to put their needs before me all the time 
I, I I can never say no to my friends. And if I if I put my needs above theirs, I'm selfish and they're going to leave me. Mm-hmm. And if they leave me, I'm going to be alone. And being alone is the worst thing ever because I need someone to love me because I am empty inside. And it you can't give me. that love to yourself because yeah. it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. You don't you don't know how. Like, yeah. um, and and I remember actually. Um, yeah. It just reminded me. I remember one of the first groups I had with Emmy. She said the word self-love. And it felt like someone had thrown a bucket of cold water over me because I had never heard of such a thing existing. <laughs> but I was like, oh, my God, you mean I can love myself as much as I've hated myself all these years? Mm. And she was like, well, of course. And I remember a few months later, um, there was a, a new girl in our group and she said something like, I, I don't believe that self-love exists. And I said, really? Well, you believe self-hatred exists. So if that exists, then why can't self-love exist? Because mm. you've done one all these years. What, it means you can't do the other? And she had not, she couldn't respond to that. Because mm. it logically makes sense, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, we're hate. So, yeah, the the opposite of hate, I guess, is love. And if you're capable of one... um. And usually hate is, is um, fueled by fear, right? Or like... Yeah, like, uh, we, uh, I was told that the opposite of love is fear. Yeah. And fear is under hate and... Yeah, and it can make you do a lot of... Th- yeah, yeah. It, it, no, you're totally right. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, and I think self-love is something a lot of people struggle with because I think... the even, like Unless, I think, one of the things that we can teach self-love is you know as parents not that I'm a parent um you can I think if you don't love yourself as a parent you can't teach self-love to your child you you only you can only teach what you know yeah and I think that that as a society I don't think we're um and I've said this before and I like to shit on capitalism but like I think as a society we're not taught to self-love we're taught that if you consume you know whatever it is if you if you take this diet pill and you'll be thin and then you love yourself or are you beach body ready or um whatever it is you know shave or no one will marry you or like you, you know what I mean? all these little tiny things that you need to apply to yourself yeah. in we, order we to live, be worthy of love yeah that's the thing we live in a society that and and actually going back to what I was saying before when I said when I was growing up I wasn't just shunned by I wasn't just bullied and abused I was being rejected by my own society as well yeah so I was because that's the thing we live in a society sadly that teach that feeds on the already for some people sadly we've already had the seed of I'm not worthy of love planted in us yeah and society feeds that or they plant the seed on very uh, you know young people impressionable they, yeah exactly and and then they feed off of it by selling us things and giving us more and more um proof quote unquote that um that we're not worthy of love you know you're not worthy of love unless you look like this yeah. you're not worthy of love unless you you get you make this much money or whatever mm-hmm. the hell um and 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 then the whole prospect of self love goes out the window because we are also taught that we can only feel loved and full if it's other people loving us. Mm-hmm. And that's where a huge uh, misconception happens because we are, you know, we're, we're human beings, we're built to connect. Yeah. But how can we connect with other people fully if we think we're a piece of shit? And I also think that you can't really, if you're unable to love yourself, I think you can, like you say, 
you can be codependent, but mm. I don't think you can truly love someone if it doesn't start with yourself. I think, I think, I think this, there's this really stupid phrase that gets lobbed around, which really annoys me, which is, how can you expect other people to love you if you don't love you? Which I think is bollocks, because I think that is um, gaslighting people who are struggling. I, I think the reality for me, I believe, is that if you don't, if you don't think you are, if you think you're worthless, then you're not going to be able to believe that anyone really loves you. So right. you, you're always going to doubt that that other people really truly love you and will stick with you because deep down you think you're worthless and right. you think you're terrible and unlovable. And the reality of it, and I think that that's more what I what the phrase I think for me means. It's more like you know you're not going to be able to well for me I can't speak for anyone else like I felt like I couldn't fully love because I didn't know how to as well like but that's I, what I mean I think that's the the point isn't that you're unlovable or you can't no. love because you're broken no. but you are you know unable to create that feeling for yourself so I think it's going to be hard to replicate it with other people and, and also you're so scared like for me I, I didn't trust that anyone was going to love me. I, yeah. I was convinced that everyone was going to leave. Yeah. So love ultimately comes from a place of um, safety, really, yeah. and 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 ease, and and it's a, it's a tr it's truthful. But I was so afraid of of being left that I was always inst like I would always be trying to cling on to someone or or you know manipulating them to get them to stay through yeah. whatever means either in a codependent relationship like let me look after you and take care of all your problems yeah. so that you leave me or in a romantic relationship i'm gonna put aside all my needs if you want to have sex i'll have sex mm -hmm. anything to get you to love me you know mm -hmm. what i mean so it's just so sad it's so fucking sad um but yeah and and all of these things i was learning at clinic it, i was just getting my eyes opened more and more and more and i was like oh my god like I felt like someone, I felt like I'd been wearing like dark glasses my mm -hmm. whole life and someone took them off me and said, you don't need to wear these anymore. Mm -hmm. Like uh -huh. this isn't the reality. And ultimately the most important, the biggest lesson I learned was this all comes down to what I think of myself right. and what I learned about myself as a result of the action, actions of others, as a result of, yeah, the trauma, the things that I, the, the, the things that I'd, um, I'd suffered the things that I'd falsely uh, learnt about learnt about myself. Um, she I just did quotation marks. In case. I keep doing, I keep doing and then I'm like, oh yeah, it's a podcast. <laughs> so I'm just gonna uh, <laughs> narrate whenever uh, you do uh -oh. so. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can tell this is my first time doing this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've done that before. Or you you show someone something and then there's just silence and people go, <laughs> yeah. all right, but good good for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep nodding and then I'm like, yep, they can't see me. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that's why I'm really good. Like, that's why sometimes I listen back and I'm like, why the fuck am I arming and yaying so much? But it's because usually I'm able to convey that I'm part of this conversation but just yeah. nodding yeah um, but i think that having doing it and understanding that people are going to listen to it i feel like more obliged to say something like be like yeah no i get it <laughs> like <laughs> and then um, sometimes like something you could t 
to definitely cut down on the arms and the uh-huh's and like just shut up and say yes by the end of the paragraph or something oh, no way i like I love it. it's great it's validating for me because i'm like ah i'm not just talking shit okay good <laughs> um but yeah no yeah like honestly it's just yeah do what you want like you know we're actors we're very expressive so yeah that's what we're paid to do that's very true yeah um but yeah and and that's the thing i think that yeah like like coming down to the the root of myself was and how i felt about myself was just the biggest lesson i had to learn and is still the biggest lesson lesson that i'm learning every day yeah because i know that even you know now if i'm having a bad body image day or if you know when when like a friend if you wave at them and they don't wave back at you and so oh my god they hate me like i know now that that's got nothing to do with the reality it's got it's it's actually to do with okay i'm not seeing my worth yeah. right now yeah because of whatever stresses or whatever it is um but yeah and um so I was in treatment for two years and three months overall. Yesterday was my anniversary, my two-year anniversary of graduating from clinic. Um, Congratulations. And, thank you. Um, and um, and obviously, and so basically how uh, the clinic works is the, the, the better you get, so to speak, the, the more you cut down your program. Mm. So as I dealt with the food symptoms, which I dealt with quite quickly, actually, I think because I got ill so early before, mm. um, or rather so soon to when I started treatment, I think I, I cut down on nutrition pretty quickly and then I started cutting down on groups and, um, and by the way, the groups, there's all kinds of groups, like there's a sex and relationship group and, um, and a, you know, a psychodrama group, CBT group, like all different kinds of, um, so you basically, you, the treatment hits you from all different angles how do um uh sorry to interrupt but how do work people who have a job do uh, is there any way for them to do it or is there something are you expected to take time off well no they tailor the program around you okay so, but hypothetically if someone is really ill like like needs like, needs full-time treatment yeah yeah, they, yeah they are encouraged to either take time out or Uh, if they're in education, you know, take time out for medical reasons. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, yeah, so I dropped out of uni um, to go full time, mm -hmm. which was the best decision I ever made. Like, and I, because I knew in my gut it was right for me. And honestly, I was, I was so grateful. And, mm -hmm. and they, and even though my family wasn't keen on it, um, clinic really fought for me. Like they, they fought for me. They were like, they made clear that that needed to happen. Yeah, and yeah. I, I do honestly think to this day that Emmy and the clinic saved my life because mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And so um, so I did my first year, and then in about halfway of my second year, uh, my one-to-one my -one therapist was like, so you're cutting down a lot, and I think you're ready to find what to, to go into life again. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to do? And I was like, ah, I don't know. I am not. I <laughs> and then, and then they were like, well, what are you passionate about? And I was like, acting. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I have to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, excuse me, like, I can't just do that. Why not? Because I was told that I'd make no money. Who told you that? Very scared people. Yeah. Ah, scared people. Yeah. People who are also scared to follow their dreams. Are you honestly? Are you going to listen to them? Yeah. And I love that. 
Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm still shit scared. I'm still cynical as fuck. Yeah. But I'm, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to try. Yeah. Um, so I auditioned for a bunch of places. I got rejected. I got rejected. I got rejected. I was like, oh, I'm a terrible actor. Nothing's <laughs> ever going to work. And then eventually I got into one place and then I got into the place where I am now. And, um, and the first year was part time. So I was doing treatment. Mm hmm. And that, and then by, two, I think, in March 2017, I graduated treatment. Mm -hmm. And then I started full-time at drama school. Did you tell them about your treatment? I did. I I, I think, so at, at my drama school, we had, like, one-to-one -one sessions. I think that's something that happens in every drama school, I hope. Um, and I was basically, like, you know... If I'm having a hard time here, it's, you know, I'm, I'm also having eating disorder treatment. Mm -hmm. I'm coming towards the end, but, and they were amazing. Like they were so supportive. And I remember, I remember um, the day that four days before I graduated mm -hmm. was um, the very last uh, performance of um, a show we were doing. And I, that was the first time I called my, my year. And I, I basically said to them all, you know, you guys, because they were part of the reason I I got better in that last part of my recovery, because I was so afraid that I would never find people who would love me the way that the, the women at clinic had. Mm -hmm. But once I left, I, I found that I actually attracted some incredible people into my life who and and also another really hard part of treatment was letting go of uh, really unhealthy friendships. Mm -hmm. and. And being able to stand up for myself and be like, no, I do not want a relationship with people that aren't going to respect me. Yes. And, and actually knowing that I deserve better than that. And the friends that I have now, like, I mean, the, the way that they treat me versus the way that people from my past treat me are planets apart. Mm -hmm. Like, the way that my friends treat me now, like, when I say no... They respect me when I say when I have to cancel plans because I'm I'm tired or I'm having a mental health day. They don't respond well. Well, fuck you. They're like, you know, they're so supportive. Yeah. And, and one thing I really value is that if they're pissed off with me, they'll tell me. Yeah. And and we can work through it. And I mean, and I remember telling my friends at that time, you know, you guys are part of the reason I I got I could have done the you you guys are part of my journey. And then I looked up and almost everyone in that room was crying. And I was like, this is this is what it this is why it was worth it because mm -hmm. healing from my eating disorder, it was so much more about food, but it was about learning that not only am I worthy of my own love, but actually I am I am worthy of other people's love and people are gonna love me because I'm I'm worth loving and mm -hmm. And you know what? If anyone doesn't, it does. It's not because I'm a piece of shit. It's because we're either incompatible, yeah, or they're an ass. Like, it's, <laughs> like it's and or you know, or most likely we're on different wavelengths, and that's okay. Like, yeah. I, everyone, everyone that I meet, I don't love them, but that's not because they're shit. I mean, they might be, but, but yeah. like, but it, it's because we're. We, we just don't we don't match we don't fit and that's okay and that doesn't say anything about who they are i mean unless they are shit uh, or who you are you know thing you know yeah but, but every but that's another thing like everyone is worthy of love and everyone deserves healing from whatever the hell it is yeah and actually healing from my stuff now has really 
taught me compassion for the people that abused me and bullied me growing up. Like, yeah, I, I still have a lot of forgiving to do. Like, I'm not anywhere near done with that stuff. Yeah, but I, un- but I, I see every every person in a much more equal light, and I'm like, okay, wh- when a human being is put through hell, mm-hmm. the the sad thing is that sometimes if they never get better they will put other people through hell. Yeah, and, and I think and, it's important to understand that mm. that's what it is and that people who cause pain, I mean, obviously it depends on what they're doing. Like, it's not that you can forgive whatever they're doing because they're in pain. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I think, yeah, people people need to be allowed to heal and to change and we need to see damaging people as complexly as people who are being damaged and I thought like I always think it's very interesting because if if for example you're in a, in a in an abusive relationship I think both parties need help yeah oh god yeah you know and like even though that should probably take place separately um oh, yeah. it's yeah like abusive people need as much help if not more um well maybe not more but you know every, like everyone who's who's uh, abusing someone there's something going on underneath and like it doesn't excuse anything um but yeah like there should be places i guess where they where they can seek help as well that's the thing like to be honest my, my biggest my genuinely my biggest wish for anyone who has ever hurt me is not to burn in hell though i do have days where i feel like that <laughs> but it's actually for them to just get better and mm-hmm. and and stop hating themselves and stop beating themselves up and then other people. Yeah. Because that's not a life. Yeah. Like, and, and that's another thing that, that, that not just recovery, but my whole healing journey has taught me is it, it's just not worth it. Like we get what, well, I don't know what everyone believes different things, but you get one life, I think. And it's just not worth hating yourself for the whole of it. And and I'm not saying that, oh, it's so easy. Of course, it's not easy, but you deserve better. Like, mm. I know that the subject of self-love is a really hard thing for people to talk about. Lots of people have gotten angry at me when I brought it up. And they go, well, if it was so easy, you don't think I would have done it by now? Like, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, people get very angry sometimes because they they think that it's 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 thrown about in some very flippant way. But, you know... Learning to love yourself when you've hated yourself for so long is one of the hardest things a human being has to do. And, and I think not- understanding that someone else sees that you don't love yourself, mm-hmm. I think that in itself is already not good. Like, I understand why people might uh, act out aggressively. because Yeah, because they're doing everything they can to not be seen as who they are. Yeah, and And you've just gone through the wall... Uh, and and showed them that you've seen them and like in very other ways um i'm not i don't i wouldn't consider myself abusive or whatever it is but i certainly have sides of myself that are more sensitive or that are more broken that i don't appreciate if anyone sees oh my Um, god yeah absolutely like shame that's the thing and and i think what what i what i feel towards people who've gotten aggressive about it towards me I'm like you know you deserve better than this that's mm. that's all I'm saying I'm you know it's not my place to I'm not judging you it's not my place to comment and yeah 
you know, I, I don't because it is in my place and I'm not a doctor, yeah. but I, I do genuinely believe that every single person deserves better than mm. they've had. And, and on top of that, like, absolutely, I totally get you because of course, like, I have shadow sides. Mm. I have, you know, dark, the dark parts of myself. And when people, when people who I love or anyone sees them, I am so ashamed. Like, mm. I don't want anyone to see those parts because I hate them about myself. But again, healing is being able to go, okay, yes, I have those parts, those dark parts, but that doesn't make me a bad person. Mm -hmm. Like, because guess what? We're human. Mm -hmm. Every single human has gets jealous. Every single human has rage. Like, we all have those thoughts. Like, we all think we're terrible people because we have a thought like, when, when you're just like, oh my God, fuck off. Like, you just want to like hit someone. But yeah. You're not a bad person for that. Because you've not done it. <laughs> no, thinking it and doing it yeah. are two very different things. Yeah. And also, that's the thing. And like, je oh, jealousy, that's another thing everyone gets so ashamed of. Oh my God, I'm such a bad person because I can't celebrate other people's successes or I, I think this or everyone gets jealous. Like, you know, we all have dark parts. We all have our, de our demons, you know? Mm. But that doesn't mean we're not deserving of love. Mm. That doesn't mean that we're bad. Like, I have a real issue with people who say I'm a bad person. Uh, am I a bad person for thinking this? No. You're a fucking human. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's very interesting because I have thought about whether I'm a good or a bad person, especially when I was younger. Um, and I think I was just more unaware of my pain And therefore acting like I, I never I don't think I ever actively bullied people because that I never saw the point in that. But I definitely um, was very abrasive to friends when when they when I felt like they're closing in on the things I don't want them to see. Or I was f um, afraid of being left. So I would treat people really terribly. And if they stayed, they had kind of unknown to them proven to me that they won't leave me even if they see who I am even though being a dick isn't like a thing I aspire to being but that yeah. was my only way of testing yeah testing them I guess I mean I you know I've done that as well I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure like most people have or at Probably. least most people struggle with the same things that we have and it's so common you know all these things that are so shared that are so taboo that no one talks about shame fight flight or freeze manipulation um pushing people to see if they leave like so many yeah. people do that stuff and 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 yet we're also ashamed of it like yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. but it's but it's about showing that those thoughts happen in yeah. any brain yeah and that the you know and like the psychopathic thing would be just to do it yeah but your you know your reaction is to to Uh, I'm guessing try and figure out where that came from it's like that's I think you know violent thoughts or um, yeah. as spiteful th you know yeah. spiteful thoughts whatever it is you know they're shared experiences and but it comes from again it comes from a place of fear it comes from pain and yeah. both you know pain and fear are shared experiences mm. um, so <laughs> that's the thing and it, again like this is all you know like, like there's so many things but I do believe that they are all connected and yeah. I think um whatchamacallit I think that um 
again, it it all comes down to this, you know, love over fear thing. Like if at at heart your relationship with yourself is dysfunctional or Mm. distorted, um, it's going to lead to it. it, It's going to, it's going to filter out in many areas of your life, not just one. And, and it just, that's the thing. I think the thing that really breaks my heart is when people think, Oh, I'm a bad person or, or my anything, my body's disgusting. Or and because the only reason our society has bought into this whole thin ideal bollocks is because it, it's it's just another manifestation of not good enough. I mean, if we were told to all be fat and that was the way to be, that was the ideal, everyone would be trying to get fat. You and know? I think like, it also like just as an ideal. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting how that changed because I think in the time that being voluptuous um, was. Uh, the sexy you yeah. kind of had to have money right yeah. to have yeah. to have enough food for that to be a thing yeah and i feel like as soon as and anyone could attain that body mm. you kind of needed something else oh god you know the the, the sort of tougher version of that which yeah it's it, never enough yeah it's the, really strange the thing is if you think that your worth lies in something external or yeah you that um, if you think that you need to earn your worth by by getting yourself to a per- more more and more perfect version, no matter what you do, you're never going to be satisfied. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I I dropped down to a to a I was very small, um, and I still wasn't good enough. Yeah, I needed to get a flatter stomach. I needed to get because it all came to, from this core belief that I was inherently just not worth it I was I I wasn't I wasn't good enough as I was and now I sit here much softer and squishier than I was then and I love soft and squishy because that is such a nice way of putting it like because that's actually quite fun isn't it like you I I, I am bigger than I am now of course I am I you know my body that's another thing like my body is naturally meant to be, you know, big and curvy or curvy and to have large breasts and, you know, a belly and all of that and cellulite. Sorry, I just got an email. Um, like, you know, but that's another thing. Like, if I think we also, so many people aren't aware, well, I speak for myself. When I was growing up, I wasn't taught that people come in all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't taught about the set weight uh, thing, which is everyone's body, depending on genetics and mainly genetics. I, I at least this is what I've read. Um, is you know determines where their body is most happy weight wise. Right. So for me, if I was meant to be a size eight, I would be, but right. I'm not. Therefore, you know that's not how I was built. Like I was built to be a natural twelve to fourteen. Like you know, I was built to have a big belly. Like, that's just how I'm meant to be. Um, you know, one of my friends might be built to have, you know, small breasts and blonde hair. You know, that's how she's built. You know, everyone's different. But what we're taught by our society and our media is that every... I speak for women. Every mm. woman is built to be thin. And if she's not, that's a failure on her part. When actually, no, not every woman is built to be thin. Every woman is built to look how she's built to look mm-hmm. genetically. And whether that's tall with brown hair, short with red hair, you know, big belly, small thighs, massive feet, whatever the hell, you know, like, it's like I, I have like little hands. 
I could wish for big hands, but it ain't gonna happen. Mm. You know, like it, it's just not like. Um, and, but I wasn't taught that because, again, ideals also teach us that we're all designed to look like that. Mm-hmm. And if we're not looking like that, it's because we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, mate, but if you're telling me that everyone's supposed to be redheaded, how come I was born a brunette? Like, please explain that to me. <laughs> like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or, um, it, I know it sound, um, sounds like I'm being facetious, but I'm not. Like, I, I genuinely think it's it's the same you know, but we forget that because it's it's fed into us from day one. You know, thin is the way to be. Thin is the way to be. It's like fuck off. Like, you know. Um, but also, um, you know, it, it feeds us with all these other things. Like, oh, you know, you're only worthy of love if you're if you have money. You're only worthy of love if you're this. If you, you know, if you, you know, and and it, it gives it gives this promise of oh well, if you if you change yourself to be good enough, then you'll finally get the things. And I remember, I genuinely believed that summer I was losing weight, that when I lost weight, I would finally get, I would finally be loved. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna be very okay. clear here for anyone listening who still thinks that, because don't get me wrong, there's still days when the thought flickers through my mind, like, oh, you could, and then I'm like, fuck off, no. Mm. Life, life wouldn't be easier if I'm thin. I'm gonna be very honest here. If you genuinely think that your life would be better if you were thin, I did the experiment, <laughs> so to speak. I went from a size 16 to a size 8. Here's what I got from it. An illness that nearly killed me, or could you know could kill me. Um, it didn't nearly kill me, thank God. Um, codependent friendships that sucked the life out of me. A dysfunctional romantic, romantic relationship, quotation marks, that absolutely killed me. Like my, like just shut my heart down um self-worth so low that I felt lower than dirt um letting people walk all over me um doing forcing myself to do terrible things for other people's pleasure just to make my you know just to have them you know give myself this idea that they would love me like you know taking drugs to numb the pain drinking to numb the pain like if you think that that's a life worth living, let me tell you, it, it just isn't. Like, mm-hmm. that is what the desire to, that is what the belief of if I'm thinner, my life will be better brought me. It, it, it was entirely the opposite. And now, you know, I, I'm a happy, I'm a happy, I'm, I'm happy as I am, uh, you know, much bigger than I used to be. And let me tell you something. Now, what my life, my life isn't perfect. I still have healing. I still have issues that I need to heal from, blah, 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 blah. Now, I go to a drama school that I love and I'm training to do the career that I love. Mm. I, I have amazing friends who respect me and treat me like a queen. Um, you know, I don't wake up every day thinking, oh shit, what am I going to eat? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, because I have so much more important things to think of. Mm. And, and I don't hate myself anymore, mm-hmm. ultimately. Now, I would rather have that life in a heartbeat over the life I used to have. And if someone really wants to challenge me on that, fine, but I, I wholeheartedly disagree, because I think if you're living from self-hatred, if you're, and when I say, and also, I just want to also clarify here, um, my life is not perfect. I do not always love myself. I still have days where I feel like shit, but the, but the difference is now that I have enough self-love to know that when I do have days of, oh my God, like, 
I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm aware that it's not the reality, it's just how I feel. Mm. And that's the difference. And also, um, and going back to a conversation we were having before we started the conversation, like the podcast, like I know recovery is different for everyone. For me personally, I believe that it is possible to recover from an eating disorder completely in the sense of the illness goes away. Like I don't have an illness anymore. Yes, I have days where occasion where my body image isn't great, but I have years of conditioning. I have years of abuse towards my weight, and I live. We live in a fat phobic society. We have years of conditioning to undo. But there's a difference between having the belief and having the the illness. Mm. And for me, I, I don't have the illness anymore. I recovered from the illness. But do you I, ever have any thoughts that? Um that make you want to binge or is that the no. the mechanisms of that still in your head no that's gone like sometimes uh, you know occasionally i'll comfort eat but that's not binging like mm. like i'll have like a few like a, like a bunch of chocolate or whatever and then i'm like okay i'm done now mm. like it like and it makes me feel better for the moment but also there's nothing wrong with comfort eating as long as it's not your only source of comfort mm -hmm. in the same way that It's so it's it's so great to reach out as long as you don't always depend on your friends to lift you back up. Like for me, I sometimes I comfort eat. Sometimes I call a friend and cry for an hour. Um, I have my therapist. I cry to my mom. I go for a walk. Like I journal. Like I I meditate. Like I have different coping mechanisms to deal with it. Mm. Um, but no, I don't ever have thoughts of binging. Uh, certainly not of purging or. Um, Like, and I don't have any thoughts, like, occasionally, again, like, I'll have, like, a, a pang of, oh, w you know, would I be, would I be, life be better if I was thinner? And then I'm, but I, w I do not have the desire to actually ever try and lose me again. Mm -hmm. Like, I think just the very idea makes me sick, quite frankly. And not just sick, but angry. Mm. Like, the idea of ever trying to hurt my body in that way again, I'm like, no way in hell. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely no way in hell am I ever going to try and lose weight again um and literally and that's a promise that I wholeheartedly you know and but yeah like I said I, I have you know occasionally thoughts of feeling you know shit about my body or shit about myself as a person or oh my god that person's going to leave me like yeah I still have issues to work through mm. but you know what we all you know we all do and that's okay um I'm never going to be a perfect product I'm, I'm, I'm always a masterpiece, but I'm a work in progress. You know what I mean? And mm. I think, again, like accepting of the fact that you're never going to be perfect. You're always going to have issues, mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay. Like the, the stupid idea of, oh, you know, happiness is a destination. No, it's not. It's a feeling like mm. that you can be content and happy with yourself. But, you know, you're going to experience the shit because yeah. life life is sh shit sometimes and shit happens and you know especially for those of us who've suffered trauma um you know healing i i believe for me you know healing from the eating disorder was one thing but healing from everything else that's further healing you know that that's going to take much much longer mm. healing from the abuse healing from the and that's okay you know healing from codependency like um you know, healing from that. That's another thing. Like I want to clarify just to be really, because I believe when I was in treatment that once I left clinic, I would be healed from all of my problems and that right. life would be perfect. 
that's not true. Like that's not that's not what it is. But you know, once the illness is out of the way, it's so much easier to focus on the other stuff. Yeah. Because you you don't have to deal with the additional pressure of the eating disorder or whatever else. Um, or the damage that yeah. it does to you, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I found that really fascinating because I'm because uh, I've mentioned before that I'm I'm guessing theoretically recovering bulimic practically yeah. real shit at recovery sometimes um didn't say that uh, well you know uh, I think it's fair to be honest with myself because if uh I still have the urge and sometimes give into the urge to binge and purge I'm not doing well recovering um in that very moment I don't think um and it's like and and it's very interesting because listening to you and that um healthy set of mind you're coming from i do feel myself getting uh, uncomfortable or defensive to a certain degree um like i find it amazing and inspiring and i'm really really happy like it's just an amazing story and i'm happy for people to hear it um but i guess i just can give i i can give the perspective of someone who still who understands that no matter how thin i am the the person inside that body is going to be the same person if that's not addressed and the issues inside of that body are going to be the same and it's very interesting because I lost um 18 kilos last year and then I gained them back and I was like oh I'm back to being fat and I don't feel uh, like good about myself and whatever and I was like but when I was 18 kilos lighter I still I mean I felt a little happier I guess superficially um but I don't remember thinking I was thin, like or thinner, or or, or feeling particular. Because sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, I guess I'm more wobbly, but with being less wobbly, I don't actually remember feeling better. Like, I I guess I fit in dresses that I haven't fit in for a while, and that was a really nice feeling. But it was, um, and I think especially with gaining back some of the weight, I'm very aware of the fact that the happiness that was created not all of it um but a lot of it was down to the fact that i was focusing on the scale and the number on the scale and the decreasing of that number somehow increased my self-worth except that it didn't it just tied it to something that i could control and therefore i could control how i feel about myself um and i i do think that uh because i was always i always resented the idea that and I talked about this with my therapist and I said, you know, it's so pathetic to think that when I'm thinner um, and and the fact that when I lose weight, that that is something that makes me happy. Mm. Um, and she said, well, that's what you have right now. Mm. That That's the, the happiness and self-worth. They come from somewhere and every journey starts somewhere. And if that is how you currently define your self-worth that is something to work through but it's also something to acknowledge that that that's the tool that you currently have and what you need to do is you know focus on how you can uh, yeah. become a, like use healthier tools um yeah sorry that's the thing it's not about you we can't judge ourselves like i think that that's another thing that was so important that i learned in in recovery was don't don't judge yourself for having an eating disorder don't judge yourself for being uh, it's, I know, easier said than done, because I used to beat the shit out of myself for binging. Mm. Every, time I, every time I acted out, 
I felt horrendous. I mm. felt so ashamed, so disgusting, so all of these things. And yet everyone around me would, was meeting me with so much love and saying, but you're not well, hun. Like, you're not well. It's, it's, it's okay. Like, if you had a cold and mm. you kept coughing, would you tell yourself you're a piece of shit for coughing? Mm. Like, I know, again, I, I don't, you know, don't want to take the piss. But no, you know no, no, what? but it's, but it's, we, we, um, we treat ourselves very differently for mental illness than for physical in, what are they called again? Physical illness? Oh, quotation marks. Yes. <laughs> uh, 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 than a physical illness. And I think, I guess, because it all plays in your head and you don't have, you don't have, I mean, you probably, depending on how you treat yourself, have physical signs of the mental illness. But I think it's just society doesn't give a fuck. Like, if you don't have, if you've not broken your leg, then uh, that's, you know, whatever can't be seen kind of can't be an illness. And it's very funny. I I got off a bus. That's a very random story. I got off a bus a week ago and, and he opened the door for a really short amount of time and I just sort of didn't catch it. So I asked him to open it again. And I was like, can you open the door? And he started yelling at me that he had opened the door. Um, and so my morning just started really shitty because he was being a dick and I thought, you know what, I was just sort of slow because I had my backpack and I carried too much shit around. But not everyone with a disability looks yeah. like they're disabled. So if it wouldn't have been me, for me just going, yeah, go fuck yourself and walking out, you know, and being able to just walk off, someone else might have felt really bad about the fact that they did not get somewhere in time because they're not able to do it. And that lack of understanding that maybe having the door open for 20 seconds doesn't allow every single person, no matter how old they are, to get off the bus. Yeah. Um, and like, and that we just, we expect to see disability or we expect to see or hear illness. And if we can't, then it's like, it, it, it sort of isn't taken as seriously or it is judged very differently. Yeah. I think... That's the thing. I, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, I get scared about in, in everyday life is like, you know, that, that fear of judgment from those people. But the thing is, those people are so, people like that are so messed up and mm. so problematic on them, uh, in themselves. And yeah. I think for every dickhead, there's always an angel. And, you know, and I think like, and I, and I didn't always used to say like, on like, and you know, there's still days when I feel like the world is a dark scary place and mm. I know for some people it is the case and some people are surrounded by horrible and I and I can't speak for them and I also of course can't speak for disabled people I don't have I don't have a disability but I do know that the the, the people that I met in my treatment and the people that I helped me get better I mean incredible people do exist mm. and people who understand and who will not judge you do exist and and, pe and people like that will also encourage you not to judge yourself mm. and to be able to say, you know what, I'm not and I'm not worthless because I'm ill. I'm not worthless because I, whether that's mental or physical, I'm not worthless because I'm disabled or this or that or the other. Yeah. You know, we are all worth the same. And like, it's interesting. And like, I'm grateful that you told me before about like you were uncomfortable. It, you could feel yourself getting uncomfortable with what I'm saying. Like, um, like I totally get that. Like I get, I I also get uncomfortable when people talk about things that I feel vulnerable with. Yeah, and, and I think that's 
and that that's certainly something that I experienced in clinic. Oh my god, so much. It was constant. But I think when it comes down to it as well, it it's the like there is you know with the right people there is no judgment and mm. and it's it's self acceptance and being able to be like you know what yeah like you like what your therapist said like if that's what you have now that's enough like yeah. don't judge yourself for being where you're at like i'm you know i still have lots of shit to work on but mm. i'm not going to help myself and that easier said than done but i know that me sitting around going oh my god you know you 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 you're so behind because you haven't dealt yeah. with I don't know your codependency or your this. I mean that's not really going to help me and and it's not true because you know I'm doing great for where I am now yeah. you're doing great for where you are now and everyone is everyone's doing the best they can. That's yeah. the thing. like you know and that's why you know when cuz when I was a clinic I'd be like oh my god I'm really failing at recovery and my therapist would always say how could you can't fail at recovery you're on a journey and yeah, it goes, yeah yeah and I goes, I understand why you're saying I shouldn't tell I shouldn't say I'm shit at No, I don't recovery. mean shit, but like but like it's, I feel like it, everyone's journey's different, yeah. you know? And oh my god, I, honestly, in the last two years actually, I've been in a very bad place, not with eating stuff, but you know, with other deeper deeper with other stuff. <laughs> yeah. And um I didn't mean like that, but like, you know, other other trauma. No, no, and, no, I uh, I don't know why I was chuckling, but No, 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 I hear you. Um like like other trauma and I was judging myself so so much like you you know well yeah you've just recovered like you should you should be happier yeah. what you're doing blah 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 and actually I wish I didn't have the hindsight obviously at the time but I wish I could go back to myself two years ago be like look you're doing the best you can yeah this is what you're dealing with now and you and you you're, you're not any less amazing because yeah. of your struggles like yeah if anything I think it's pretty fucking incredible that despite our struggles and despite our issues and and the pain we still keep going yeah I think I honestly think human beings are the, some of the strongest creatures in the world because the the extent that that we can be pushed to mm. and still keep going despite how much pain we're in and i've seen this in myself and in many many other people mm. i think is absolutely awe inspiring and and seeing that quality in others really inspires me yeah to keep going like even you know especially on the days when i feel like i can't yeah. like you know i'm i'm not physically very well at the moment and this morning i was feeling really down in the dumps about it mm. but now i feel like so much better simply from having this conversation i'm like yeah. yeah like you know it's it's really inspiring to talk to like-minded people and they are out there and yeah. um and actually being able to be like you know what no matter whether i'm having a good day bad day for anyone who's ha has is still struggling with an eating disorder or any kind of mental illness yeah the the fact that you're still here is incredible and and regardless of how you feel about yourself you're still incredible yeah. and i think that's what i wish i could have said to myself all all those years ago like i wish i could have said you know what you are incredible right now yeah. like you 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 know you're not it's not you're you're fat but you're beautiful it's mm. you're fat and you're scared and you're vulnerable and you're and you're and you're giving and you're this and you are beautiful and mm -hmm. not just beautiful in looks wise i mean mm -hmm. 
and you are worthy of love. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wish little me had heard that. Like, um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's all. That's um, and I think that's. I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or before, but that's that little child in you that has never heard those things. And I think I have that child and, and she's very, and, and I'm very unkind. Um, cause I think whenever those insecurities come out, they're probably a younger version of you that's still working through that trauma. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you respond to the way you feel in, in such a cruel way. And then, and someone recently said, would you, talk to a six-year-old child to an eight-year-old child to a 14 year old 14 year old teenager would you talk to them like that mm. no and so it's i think it's one thing to go to imagine that in a child um and to talk to them in a in an appropriate manner um yeah. and it's and like yeah it's it's a difficult thing to um I don't know, to get to a place, I think, for me right now, it seems really difficult. And it's really funny when you talked about the clinic and how it you know, it, it heals you of all those things. I was like, that just sounds like they're standing in the way of me coping with the way the, the way I'm used to coping. Um, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, no, I'd love to not have an eating disorder. But also, um, like, I'm currently... And it's really funny because I never thought about that that way or understood that I work that way because I always feel like I'm very aware of it and I want to get rid of it. But the first thing was if I went there, I they tried to heal me from it and that made me really uncomfortable for no reason other than going, you know, I have a pacifier that works. The pain can go so deep and can be so big. Um, and them removing a pacifier for me almost like that disregards that they're going to give me coping mechanisms. Yeah, I, it's so interesting. That just reminded me of something that Emmy said um, in an interview. She said that that's why the clinic isn't based around food and weight. Like, that, that they, they do, do all this other stuff because, you're, like she said, your eating disorder is the only thing you have to cope with. Mm. Can't just take it away from them because then they don't know what to do. You yeah. know, like so their approach is much more. It's it's not about taking it away. It's about giving you so many other coping mechanisms while working through trauma and healing. Yeah. Until the space for the ED gets less and less, mm-hmm. and you can let it go. So it's less about it being taken away from you, and you receiving so much nourishment and growing in other ways. And nurturing yourself and healing so that you don't need it as much. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that's, um, that sounds a lot more like I can get on board with that. Yeah. When, yeah. Right now you will stop doing this. It's like, whoa, because you can't do that. Like, yeah. And eating disorder is your only way of coping. Like if you don't have that, what else? You don't have anything else. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's why a lot of other treatment centers don't work because they'll just deal. They'll say, right they'll feed you up for yeah, example yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they the the patient leaves and they have this this body that they don't recognize and and they haven't actually healed they've just had their symptoms dealt with like that's not like they've they've had their uh what you call it the thing that keeps them safe quotation marks taken Removed, away from yeah yeah 
like that's that's not you know it would be like I'm trying to think of an, I can't think of an example but no that's not how they work at all like that's that's why I think they have a hundred percent recovery rate because they address all it's 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 about healing the the root of it not just like stop this stop yeah. the symptoms because you you can't just stop like that if if, if it was so easy we all would have stopped yeah, like, yeah yeah but no not at all not at all like that but i but so many clients that i was with uh shared that fear mm. and were like i don't want this taken away from me blah blah blah, blah and but you know, everyone's—that's the thing. Everyone's journey is different, and every everyone's relationship to their coping mechanisms are different. And yeah. like for me, I'm just starting that journey with other coping mechanisms I have, yeah. uh, healthy ones. Yeah. Um, and there are times when I'm like, I don't want to. I don't like. Oh no, I don't want to lose this. I'm scared. I'm too scared to let it go because I don't know what life would look like without it. Yeah. For example, um, uh, like needing other, like um, trying to fight for other people's love mm-hmm. as an example i'm like but but i'm scared that if i don't try then i'm going to be left yeah but then the irony being in order to let that go you have to actually challenge it mm-hmm. which is really scary um but it's a process it's not going to happen overnight yeah you know it, like not at all <laughs> took me two years and three months <laughs> and and that was just for one thing like yeah. this now I've got a whole uh, other, you know, bucket of stuff to deal with. But... but in a way, that is an amazing thing because it means that you have let go of something harmful, so that you can look beneath the sort of most obvious or pressing negative coping mechanism, and yeah. it gives you the time and the mind and the understanding um, that you can now continue your journey, and that, like, and that's the amazing thing, and that's why I love. Um, that you've come on and told your story because I think it gives so much hope um, to me and to other people that there is a solution and and maybe it's that clinic and maybe it's another place but that being better and um, having a different brain because I always think it feels like your brain is so rigid and you know I've been doing this for 28 years how am I supposed to change but that you can actually change a brain um, no matter how long you've done a thing, as long yeah. as you have the tools and the help that you need. Yeah. And and I think you raised two brilliant points. Though the first one being, um, like, sadly, not a lot of pe- like not a lot, n- not everyone has the the funds to mm-hmm. get treatment. And Emmy actually made a video about this. She has a YouTube channel, and um, she said, and she gave a list of other resources. You mm-hmm. know. Um, online support groups um uh you know uh, like if you if you only if you have money to have like a one-to-one therapist or online support groups books um you know talking to like-minded people mm-hmm. uh, there's there's other resources out there and you know surrounding yourself with nurturing things yeah. and um and what you said about retraining your brain like i'm not a scientist i am shit at science of any kind was not my thing at all but um how the uh therapist described it to me um and still describe it to me sometimes like my therapist like um i don't know how the brain works exactly but of this i know there's like pathways yeah that form in the brain yeah and, and the brain can like those pathways can be retrained yeah so it's basically retraining the mind uh, retraining the mind i don't know the science of it but it is possible and yeah 
you know, I know it's possible because I've done it. Yeah. Like, and I kind of feel like, and I've seen other people do it. And I, I'll give you a very, this is, I love this example because this is just how ridiculous, not ridiculous, but a very stark example. Like, um, so when I was, this was even before clinic times, like throughout my teenagehood, when I was really, really deeply codependent in a really bad place, mm. I had this belief that if I, if I had my phone on silent at night um, and someone who was suicidal called me mm-hmm. and asked me for help and I wasn't there to help them and then they killed themselves, it would be my fault. Mm-hmm. Like that's how responsible I felt for people, which is bizarre to me now. Like that is how guilty and how how much pressure I used to put on myself and and I used to take everyone's needs as my need and my responsibility. Now, I don't I don't care what day it is. Like my phone goes on silent at ten o'clock when I'm in bed. Mm-hmm. Sleep time is my time. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't I'm not responsible for other people's you know lives. You know and and the the difference between where I was, where I used how I used to think and now is is totally different and I and I'm pretty sure that was that was my brain like changing over time um but yeah like it, it is it is possible I do believe it's possible and I'm not I don't want to shit on anyone's plate and you know like because every again like this is my experience and everyone's different and everyone is going to believe different things but I am so passionate that recovery is possible yeah and not just recovery from an eating disorder healing ultimately from trauma I yeah. do think is possible and because for me ultimately it's not the ED that was the main issue it yeah. was it was the abuse and and all of that horrible stuff and 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 like I said you deserve you deserve it you deserve better than that you deserve to heal yeah um so that's what I I would say to to anyone who struggles to think that is possible or or but I hope that gives some hope because I, I also would say, yeah, you, you deserve it. Yeah. 100%. Um, you weren't born to hate yourself. You weren't born to live a life of pain. Mm. You were born to live a life mm-hmm. and you deserve to get as much pleasure out of your life as possible because you only have one. Like, you know, yeah. you deserve to enjoy it. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah. And I think that's an amazing and um, an important message and, you know, I think people might be listening who who don't believe it, um, no, but I think having heard it, you know, I think things sink in at different times, yeah. um, and I think it's important to keep telling these stories of overcoming challenges, um, and and I think it's so brave of you to talk about it honestly, um, and so important to talk about it honestly because I think the only way. I've ever been able to realize uh, what I'm going through is through other people sharing their their life stories and uh, acknowledging their own trauma. And then suddenly I felt like I wasn't alone and I wasn't a freak and I wasn't, um, I didn't deserve what I have, but I, I, I deserved better. And, um, you know, and, and the way I am now is the reason I survived. Yeah. Um and uh and, and also you're not any less amazing being ill than you would be being healthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you know, you're not you're not worth more as a person if you're not ill because 
that's bollocks. Like you're always you're always perfect as you are, regardless of yeah anything. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the ultimate challenge. I think to be able to love yourself, uh, like Marilyn Monroe said, if you don't, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. And I think that yeah. telling yourself that yeah is sort of you know more important than telling other people because I think we yeah. should just love ourselves through everything and I think um that's sort of a wonderful goal to strive towards um thank you very much for for being on the podcast thank you for having me I feel like this was amazing I loved it um yeah we should check in uh, in a few months and and see how how things are going if you like um and uh so that that what is the the center called okay so it's called the recover clinic and it's um, for women only I understand Yeah. Do you know if they have branches that are for men or non-binary or trans people as well, or how that would um, work? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure because I don't think while I was there, I don't think that there was there were any trans women who came or yeah. trans people. But um, in terms of it's that center doesn't invite men, but um, if you get in touch with them, they can and say I'm looking like I'm dealing with this, or um, do you know any you know places or people i can see they they will uh, put you in touch okay with this because they know like all the different like types of uh, help so they'll put you in touch with someone sure okay amazing so if anyone is listening whatever they identify as or uh they can reach out to that center yeah um, yeah yeah um and if you want so emmy is so her name is emmy brunner e double m y b r u double n e r She's on Instagram. The Recover Clinic has an Instagram account as well. It just is at the Recover Clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, or at Recover Clinic, one of them. And I'll um, find it and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah amazing. And um, Emmy has a YouTube channel as well. And um, she did an interview with Grace Victory on YouTube, which um, is amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I would highly recommend all of those resources because um, they're very, they're very eye-opening to listen to. Amazing. Well, thank you. Um, that's that's it for today, I guess. But that was a very, very wonderful conversation. And I'm, I'm very grateful that you were a part of it. Um, yeah. If you have any questions, uh, is it okay if people reach out to me on the email address and yeah. I forward you yeah, of course. any questions? Um, yeah. So, yeah, if you have questions, uh, guys, you can always get in touch at masturbatorspodcast at gmail dot com uh thank you again for listening um new episodes are out every thursday um as tedious as it is please rate subscribe and share if you <laughs> don't want to do any of those things i think um what i'd like you to try is if you're enjoying this podcast send it to to let's say five friends that might enjoy it too um spread the word uh i think i think the stories told are really worth sharing and, and worth hearing and um Uh, I've just I think I'm meeting a lot of great people and I love a lot of people to benefit from from the conversations had um, thank you to Jacob Welding for the incredible uh, intro song and outro song and uh, yeah uh, thank you thank you everyone who's listening I've recently looked at the stats and there are people listening in Houston Texas and in Brooklyn New York and in uh, in, in all kinds of countries and places and I'm very, very excited and very happy. And, you know, give me a shout out from for wherever you are because I find it quite amazing. 
that you all found this podcast and it's, it's exciting and yeah again thank you very much Chrissy thank you too thank you, you very much <laughs> thanks for sharing everything as well with me I feel very privileged thank yeah well I think honest conversation allows for honest for honesty so um amazing okay cool uh see i'm as good as uh i am at intros uh, at doing outros but <laughs> basically what we're going to do is we're going to say goodbye thank you guys for listening thank you chrissy for being on the podcast thank you sending and, love to everyone listening and that's a good note to end on good, goodbye guys